to the sermon podcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on January 4th, 2015, on the basis of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 2 through 12. So when you have a secret, how do you let it out? I suppose it kind of depends on the secret, doesn't it? I mean, if you have a secret that you don't want everyone to know, but you need someone to know, you'll probably tell someone that you really know you can trust. Maybe you can even picture that person in your mind right now. Maybe you have a secret that you can benefit from, even profit from, like a juicy piece of celebrity gossip or a secret recipe for some sort of magical energy drink. And so you'll let that secret out to the highest bidder. But what if you had a secret that required some urgent action? The kind of secret that needed to be placed into the hands of just the right person so that exactly the right thing could be done. The kind of secret that a woman named Rose Valland had. You see, back in the early 1940s, Hitler wasn't just trying to conquer Europe. He was also trying to assemble the greatest collection of art and history that the world had ever seen. And so wherever those German tanks left their tracks and wherever his soldiers left their boot prints, they also nabbed anything of value that they could possibly find. Well, in France, all of those valuables were funneled through one specific museum in Paris. For four consecutive years, valuables from throughout the entire country of France were funneled through this one museum on their way out to Germany. And all the while, Rose Valland was carefully paying attention. Little did the Nazis know that Rose Valland was first of all an expert in art. She was fiercely loyal to her country of France, and she was willing to risk her neck for both. And she happened to speak pretty good German. And so for four consecutive years, she not only kept an eye on everything that was coming in, but she diligently documented where it was going as everything went out. Information that, as you can imagine, would later prove to be very, very valuable. And yet, that secret, that information that Rose possessed, is nothing compared to the secret that God is revealing to us today. This epiphany secret or mystery that Paul talks about is worth more than all the wealth of Western civilization. Are you ready for it? It's that Jesus, the baby born in Bethlehem, the one whose birth we just celebrated, is in fact the Savior of all mankind. Are you disappointed a little bit? You see, even if we were willing to admit that that secret is incredibly valuable, we might immediately ask ourselves, well, what's so secret about it? Well, sure enough, for thousands of years, this information that Paul talks about today wasn't fully revealed by God. Back in Old Testament times, God had divided 
every nation on earth into just two groups. There was the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, the Jews, and then there was everyone else, the Gentiles. And yes, God had made it clear for hundreds of years that even though the Jews were God's chosen people, there was room in God's family for those Gentiles. But here was the secret. That the place that God had made in his family for those Gentiles was identical to the place in his family that he had made for the Jews. That those Gentiles were not just part of God's family, they were an equal part of God's family. Here's how Paul describes that mystery. He says that the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So that's the secret. We're still maybe left wondering what makes it so valuable. By nature, you and I like to do the very same thing with people. We like to put people in groups, even when it comes to our relationship with God. We like to group people in terms of the insiders and the outsiders. There's those who are in, those who are left out. And sometimes even within the insiders, we still form further little groups. There's those who are in, and, and then there's those who are really in. There's those who are members of the church, and then there's the really important members of the church. There's those regular old, ordinary Christians, and then there's the really good Christians. Maybe that grouping is based on external factors like the way a person looks, the way a person dresses, their behavior, the way that they talk. Maybe it's based on deeper things like spiritual understanding, biblical knowledge, or the level that they participate and actively serve. But here's the other thing about human nature. The second we start putting people into groups like that, the second we start looking around and wondering, what group do I belong with? Sure, there are times when I am self-righteous enough, when all of us can be self-righteous enough to think, you know what, I deserve to be in that in group. But for every one of those moments, there are probably ten where we say to ourselves, you know what, there's no way I belong, not for the things I've done. And sure, if I look around, I could be so foolish as to find examples of people that I might think that I'm better than. But for every one of them that I can find, again, I can probably find ten that I would be quickly convinced are better than me. And so this epiphany secret that Jesus is the Savior of all nations gives to us something that is truly priceless something that we would never stumble upon for ourselves, something that we would never manufacture for ourselves, it gives us absolute certainty to know that we are part of God's family, to know that God loves us and that Jesus has paid for our sins because those things are true of everyone. All of those little groups that we like to make, this secret completely wipes them all away. In 
Christ Jesus, you and I are equal members of God's family. When Jesus comes back and starts handing out the inheritance, the share that you get and the share that I get and the share that the young child who's just baptized gets and the share that the person who's been going to, six, going to church for 60 years gets, the, person, the share that the Christian who has always been a model citizen gets and the one of the Christian who has the criminal record gets will all be exactly the same. All because Jesus is the Savior of all mankind. So the information is valuable, I think you'd agree. It's the only thing that can lead us to certainty in our relationship with God. So then the question remains, how is God going to let that secret out? That's the question that Rose Valland was troubled with for many, many months. You see, shortly after D-Day, the tide of World War II quickly changed, and the big effort, the mammoth effort of trying to track down all of that stolen art and bring it back had begun. So what was Rose going to do with the information that she possessed? Well, she couldn't just tell anyone. You see, back in those early days of France's liberation, you didn't really know whom you could trust. Even more than that, as the government was getting back on its feet, things moved very, very slowly. And this information that she had couldn't be bottled up in all kinds of layers of bureaucracy. She needed to tell someone who was able to act quickly. And so she finally settled on on an American lieutenant named James Rorimer. He was in Paris as part of what was known as the Monuments, Fine Arts, and Archives Program, a group also known as the Monuments Men. Back in the States, prior to the the war, he had sort of been a rising star in the art world. He ascended to the top of the chain very quickly, and so he possessed the expertise in art that Rose was looking for. He also had honesty and integrity. And so after hesitating for months on end, Rose finally decided that she was going to tell him everything that she knew. And she sent him off into southern Germany on a real, live treasure hunt. You know, it makes sense, I suppose. You have a secret like that, and you tell the person who is most qualified to do something about it. In fact, it kind of seems that that's how Christmas went, right? Who were the first ones to announce the arrival of this Savior? Well, the angels, right? Those powerful, perfect, winged messengers from God, perfectly created, ideally suited to deliver these divine messages. And yet, wouldn't you know that after they had delivered that first Christmas message, they maybe delivered another handful of messages from God, And we haven't really heard from them since. What about these wise men? They were very smart, well-respected. They had great wealth. And they were Gentiles. Who better to use to let this secret out, that Jesus was the Savior of all mankind? And yet after they came and worshipped the Savior, they went back to their country, and we never hear from them again. Instead, Jesus grows up, and eventually he assembles this sort of ragtag band of followers, the 12 disciples, most of them uneducated, 
And yet even that makes sense, I suppose. Because here were 12 guys who had followed Jesus everywhere he went, who saw Jesus after he had risen from the dead, and they would be able to tell everyone this important secret. And yet God didn't even choose them. No, instead the man who was primarily responsible for telling people of every nation on earth that Jesus was the Savior of every nation on earth is this guy, the Apostle Paul. Not one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He hadn't followed Jesus for three years. He hadn't seen all the miracles. In fact, when those other disciples started telling people that they had seen Jesus alive, Paul tried to get every one of them thrown in jail. It's no wonder that in these verses he calls himself less than the least of all of the Lord's people. Picture that very bottom group. Paul says, there's me right below them. Why would God choose Paul for this important role? Well, what if God had continued to send the angels? Or what if he continued to use Jesus to speak to people directly? Can you imagine that? There would be people who could say, you know what, I heard this secret directly from the mouth of an angel or directly from the mouth of Jesus. And there would be other people who would say, well, you know what, I talked to someone who talked to Jesus or one of the angels. And there would be other people who could say, well, I talked to someone who talked to someone who talked to Jesus or one of the angels. And on and on it goes. And I suppose that would be cool to some degree. But what would that say about a regular old dad sitting down at a regular old dinner table and reading a regular old devotion to his family? What would that say about the mom sitting her young child on her lap, rocking her to sleep, singing, Jesus loves me, this I know? What would that say about the Sunday school lesson that your children learned this morning? What would it say about the conversation that you've had with a friend about Jesus or one that you're hoping to have with a friend about Jesus? What would it say about the sermon that you're hearing right now? You see, even when it comes to letting this secret out, we like to make all of these different groups. But God, once again, wipes away all of those groups. And by doing so, he guarantees to you that this secret, this wonderful news, is just as true and just as powerful whether you heard it from Jesus, whether you hear it from me, or whether someone else hears it from you. He puts all of the attention and all of the focus on the secret instead of on the one who happens to be spreading it. That probably wouldn't have worked very well for Rose Valland. She needed to tell just the right person. If she had told the wrong person, who knows? Maybe a great deal of that art wouldn't have been found, wouldn't have been protected, and wouldn't have been brought back. In fact, one of the pieces of art that was eventually reclaimed is this self-portrait by the famous Dutch artist Rembrandt. You can decide for yourself whether you'd like it above your fireplace. But a well-known painting by a well-known artist. And the guy who discovered it was actually one of James Rorimer's assistants, a man by the name of Henry Etlinger. He's the guy on the right in that picture. And you can see them finding this painting. Funny thing about Henry, 
is that he actually grew up in Germany before his family left for the States when he was just a teenager. Ended up back in the Army, ended up as part of this Monuments, Fine Arts, and Archives program. And his journey to eventually find this painting and bring it back to its rightful owner took him halfway around the world and then back and finally 700 feet below the surface of the earth into this mine where it had been hidden. But the funny thing about that painting is that for every single one of the days of Henry Etlinger's childhood, it had hung in a museum in Germany that was all of three blocks from his house. But for all of those years that he and that painting were so close, Henry was never allowed to go see it. He was never allowed inside. You can maybe guess from his name that he was Jewish. You see, we like to make groups. We like to distinguish between those who are in and those who are out. But here's this epiphany secret, that Jesus is the Savior of all mankind. And not only the secret itself, but the way that God lets it out completely erases and wipes away all of those distinctions and all of those groups. And again, the result is that precious, priceless certainty. God has let his secret out so that you can know with absolute certainty that you are in. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.